You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You remind me of the babe. Babe with the power. Power of voodoo. You do. Remind me of the babe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. I spent entirely too much time trying to find a labyrinth scene that I could put in the intro. And there just isn't much on YouTube as far as scenes. There's a lot of music videos and whatnot. And I figure a ten-minute search is... uh, more than enough time to just give up and say, let's just do the dumb song. But anyways, happy Monday to you. And um, because I know I'm going to forget, I want to really quick, right off the top, say thank you to Kyle. Last night, Kyle must have been listening to one of my podcasts and decided he's tired of my complaining and decided he was going to buy me a new coffee pot. So I appreciate that. Also, now I'm going to be self-conscious. Every time I complain about something, which is 90% of my podcasts, I'm going to feel like people think I'm trying to ask for things. Man, this this laptop really stinks. I really would be great if I had like a $1,500 one. That was awesome. I haven't had a steak in like forever. Also, my TV is like 32 inches that I watch football on. <laughs> All of those things are true, by the way. But I'm not asking for money. Just because the television in my living room is only marginally bigger than my monitor for my computer does not mean I'm asking you for any money just means that sometimes life isn't quite as awesome as you'd hope. It's pretty great sometimes, but could it be improved? I, you know, maybe a little here and there. Just nitpicky stuff, you know. No big deal. But anyways, um, there is a little bit of news. I feel like, based on all the tweets and everything, because there was a news conference and everything, it feels like there's a massive... Newsday, and if, if I had to guess, I would think a lot of other podcasts are going to be spending a lot of time on it. I don't, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Sometimes I get caught up in these little rants, but I don't think there's actually that much here. I think most of what we heard in the interviews or the uh, the news conferences, whatever you want to call them, was kind of kind of meh. So I I think I'm just going to try to rip through a lot of it, and then we'll take a break and talk about something else. That's the plan. Um, first of all. A lot of people are being added to the COVID list. Again, this early on doesn't matter. It just doesn't. Kenny Galladay's on the COVID list. Oh, man, the Lions are doomed. No, they're not. He's going to be playing. Everything's fine. I think uh, Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson tested positive for COVID or were in close contact with somebody who has it, which means they're going to be out for a couple weeks, and then they're going to be back, and then they're going to play. It's also true for Mason Crosby and Jay Sternberger. Again, this gets much more interesting as we get closer to the season. Number one, because we want to know how often, how regularly this comes into the NFL once they're already in their isolation, so to speak. It's not really isolation, but it's supposed to be to some degree. And then number two, how quickly does it spread? Is it one guy went out, got it, they tested it, caught it, and they isolated him? Or is it one guy went out, caught it, came back, gave it to seven people, and then they caught it, and then they isolated because those are the kinds of things that make a difference in the season. Somebody in, you know, on August 2nd testing positive, it just, assuming they didn't spread it around, it doesn't have really hardly any impact. Um, as far as the Green Bay Packers, 
designated Curtis Bolden and, according to Ryan Wood, Josh Nijman, which is not his name, on the pup list. Stepniak and Patrick Taylor were declared non-football injuries, which means Stepniak and Taylor got hurt working out during the offseason, and uh, Bolton and Nijman were both injured last season. Lion safety J. Ron Curse was suspended for three games, or will be suspended for the first three games of the season. That's pretty substantial because he's a decent enough player, but we play in week two, so that does impact the Green Bay Packers. So there will be no J. Ron Curse for week two against the, uh, the Green Bay Packers. That's also a home game, so I'm feeling pretty good about that one for several reasons. I mean, you know, we typically beat the Lions, although they give us a hard time. It's in Green Bay. They're missing a player. All good stuff. Oh, and Stafford. Stafford was placed on the COVID list. Again, has nothing to do with the regular season. Um, As far as some of the interview type stuff, according to Brian Gutekunst, he's not expecting anybody else to opt out. There's always, they have until the 9th, I think. So a little less than a week for people to come out and basically opt out to say I'm not playing. Anything's possible. Could be some new information. Could be, you know, a a health scare pops up. Could be people that are just still ruminating on it that have shown up to camp that are just thinking about it, whatever, that uh, come to the determination that they want to opt out. But according to Brian Gutekunst, nobody has uh, come to him and said anything about possibly wanting to opt out. As far as would you like to add more wide receivers, of course, Brian Gutekunst's attitude is nothing changes. And that that is true about everything. His actual quote is, I wouldn't say we're any more active than we have been looking for help in any position. In other words, we've been calling about wide receivers to see what's available. We're going to continue doing that, just like we've been calling about just about every position in the NFL, just because that's what we do. LaFleur says they want to make uh, the facilities the safest place in Green Bay, which is kind of a throwaway. Not because it's not true, it is, but I mean, obviously. Gutekunst says we're depending on Jace to be a big part of the season. That's kind of a throwaway line. It's one of those things that everybody wants to really hang on to. But what 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 do you think? What what other option is there? Is Gutekunst saying, nah, not really interested in, in Jace. Don't have any real expectations for him. Kind of figure, you know, he just goes out there, does whatever. Don't really plan on uh, getting him in the mix very much. Don't really like his face. He smells weird. To be honest, we're just letting this ride out. We're going to cut him probably next year sometime. I was uh, a little intoxicated, actually, when we drafted him. Just going to be straight up honest about it. I mean, I don't know what you expect him to say, but these are the kinds of things people want to grab onto. And the fact of the matter is the only reason people even answer it is because somebody asked it, and that's the part that everybody misses. What are your thoughts on Jay Sternberger? Well, we expect Jay's to be a big part of the season. He would say that about anybody, with the exception of like a third-string guard. In which case, the answer is slightly different, but they're on the roster for a reason. If there were zero expectations, they wouldn't be on the roster. We expect them to come in and be able to compete, and we like what they bring to the team, and blah, 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 right? It's the same answers over and over and over again, man. It doesn't mean anything. Um, Geronimo Allison opted out, so it's, you know, Packers once again move on from somebody, and it doesn't hurt. That's a constant, constant thing with the Packers. Why would you get rid of that guy? And then, you know, they just don't perform well or they opt out. Um, One slightly interesting thing, uh, Matt LaFleur says they floated the idea of possibly isolating the quarterbacks for obvious reasons. You lose your quarterbacks and it's kind of dunzo for for your season. Or not necessarily season, but I mean, you get, what, you got to forfeit two weeks? You were really going to trot out, what, a tight end to play? You know, let Mercedes Lewis be your quarterback or what? But, you know, whatever. We'll see what happens with that. But then there's the the big line that everybody is uh, really stuck on, and it 
again, it just doesn't mean anything. But if you look at any number of tweets that are out there, there's a snippet that Matt LaFleur said, which is, quote, Aaron Rod- or Aaron is our quarterback, and I see him here for a really long time. Aaron is our quarterback. Is it obviously a nothing part of the statement? I see him here for a really long time is a weird thing. We, we know it's a throwaway line because he doesn't know if that's true or not. So it's, it's weird that he even said it. It's one of those things you have to assume he didn't mean to say it that way and probably would change it if it wasn't just the first thing that came to his head, which is probably what a lot of these answers are. Because if you actually listen to the full quote, he says, I see him here for a really long time, and then he follows that up with, how long that is, I have no idea. Anything can happen in this business. So in other words, I see him here for a long time. Maybe a long time means five years. Maybe a long time means one year. Who knows? Who's to say? It just doesn't mean anything. And then Ian Kenyon, he followed that up with uh, Cliff Kingsbury when he got hired. There was a lot of speculation that they were going to get rid of Josh Rosen after one year. But there was the quote from Cliff Kingsbury that said, Josh is our guy. In other words, he tried to quell the speculation by saying, we're not getting rid of Josh Rosen. We just drafted him. He's our guy. That's the guy we're moving forward with. And of course, they did draft a new quarterback and they did get rid of Josh Rosen after one year. So, you know, you could try to make something out of it. Obviously, the Aaron isn't going anywhere crowd and the, you know, I hate Jordan Love, whatever group that doesn't want to hear anything about it. Stop talking about it. They love this quote because they want to attach onto it and try to make it their, their battle cry. But it's a throwaway. And again, just listen to the second part of this sentence and it tells you everything you need to know. I see him here for a really long time. However long that is, I have no idea. Anything's possible. But, you know, there's that. That's my answer. So there you go. Doesn't mean anything. People, Somebody tried to push him on an answer that he didn't want to give an answer to. And, and he doesn't know the answer to. There are still variables that need to be worked out. If Love is a terrible quarterback, Aaron's going to be around for a while. If Love is a good quarterback, Aaron's not going to be around for very much longer. Like it or not, this is Jordan Love's job to lose. If he plays well, he gets the job. That's it. You don't trade up in the first round and then watch a guy play well and say, nah, I still like Rodgers better. It's not a thing. Jordan Love plays well, he gets the job, Aaron goes bye-bye, end of story. Now, the the hard part about that, obviously, as I've said 10 billion times, is how in the world are we going to get enough information about Jordan Love to be able to make that determination? This year, there's not even a preseason. Unless Aaron gets hurt and Jordan comes in and is fantastic, I don't know when we're going to be able to observe that. Unless they want to make that determination go away. Unless they want to make that determination based on what he does in practice, which is a horrific thought, but again... Don't really need to worry about that right now. Anyways, that's all I'm going to talk about for the news. Why don't we take a break and come back and talk about something else. So something that I do want to uh, take a look at as far as this COVID stuff. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. 
when I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Is player opt-outs that directly impact the Green Bay Packers because we're playing them this year? So, for example, especially within the NFC North, which represents six of the 16 games that we play, the Chicago Bears have lost Eddie Goldman. The Lions, on top of losing Geronimo Allison, which probably isn't that big of an impact, have lost defensive lineman John Atkins. And the Vikings, as you know, as we've talked about, have lost Michael Pierce. These are all defensive tackles. These all have major impacts for the Green Bay Packers, a team that is trying to get better at running the football, a team that last year, because for the last two years, and I should look at it, at it this year, I haven't done that yet, but two years ago, the hardest thing the Packers had to go up against was wide receiver. Went up against the most elite wide receivers week after week. Last year, it was edge rushers, the best edge rushers in, in football. You had Dallas with Demarcus Lawrence, you had Von Miller, you had Khalil, obviously, you had Daniil. Every week, it was one of the premier edge rushers. You had Bosa, you had the other Bosa. So an offensive line that just got attacked and assaulted week after week this year, although there's still good edge rushers with Daniil and Khalil and Trey, the defensive lines have gotten so much worse, so much worse. Not only have the Vikings lost uh, Michael Pierce, who they just picked up this year, Linval Joseph is gone, who is a better player than Michael Pierce, and Everson Griffin is gone. So the Vikings went from Everson Griffin Linval Joseph and Daniil Hunter to Daniil Hunter and I don't know how you spell it, but they may as well try to put that on the back of everybody else's jersey along that front, because that's their name. Totally. Yeah. The people here are like like a fart. You know what I'm saying? I could not throw that office reference in there. It was just stuck in my head and now I had to go find it. But I feel like a crazy person because it just it's stuck in my head. Not not that line, but it's it's stuck in my head, and I don't hear anybody else really talking about it. Run first team, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, and the Vikings have no defensive line anymore. The Detroit Lions, who just last year were looking at a defensive line of Ashawn Robinson, Snacks Harrison, Mike Daniels. They lost Snacks. They lost Mike. They did bring in Danny Shelton, but Danny Shelton is no Snacks Harrison, right? Just because he's a you know, former first-round pick that had a big name at one point. He did have a big season in 2016. I mean, that that's their guy, no question about it. 6'2", 345, big run defense type of guy. But this is, they've just taken massive steps back. It's Danny and nobody. And now the Bears, who still have a decent front with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, they lose Eddie Goldman. Eddie Goldman isn't as good as Akeem Hicks, but he's their clear number two. And a guy that, you know, like everybody else in 2018, was a dominant football player. A guy that they're expecting to continue to grow and to get better. He's six foot four, 320 pounds. I mean, my goodness, the, the NFC North just lost about 1,000 pounds of beef up front as we go into year two of Matt LaFleur's scheme after he just goes and gets his new Derrick Henry. And I know that's another one where it's like, we're not, we don't want to, we don't want to talk about Aaron Jones as though he's already being relegated, but I, I just... Again, just like Jordan Love, it comes down to how well he plays. If he doesn't play well, he doesn't play. But this is his job. 
Matt LaFleur wants a workhorse back. Aaron Jones is not a workhorse back. He's a very, very talented running back. His yards per carry are incredible. His ability to do a lot of things is great. Matt LaFleur wants a guy that's going to carry the ball 18 times a game. If he wants to give somebody the ball 24, 5 times, which he was doing to Aaron Jones down the stretch, by the way. Aaron Jones was getting like 20 carries, but the thing is, he's not built that way. Matt LaFleur wants a guy that can handle that kind of a load, and that's A.J. Dillon. But regardless, it's going to be a duo of guys that carry the ball a ton between the two of them. That's huge. On top of that, the Jaguars lose Al Woods, who's a defensive lineman. So there's another one, although I don't didn't expect to lose to the Jaguars anyways. That doesn't help. Also lost Laurenti McRae, but, you know, it's a linebacker and a defensive lineman. Panthers lose out on Jordan Mack. I don't know if he was ever going to play, but that's a linebacker. It's just everybody that's opting out seems to be somebody that was supposed to stop the Packers running backs. <laughs> that's just, it was just meant to be, man. I'm not saying draft A.J. Dillon in the first round of your fantasy football leagues or anything, but I am saying that the, this is like Moses parting the Red Sea. All he's got to do is walk through it. Packers play the Texans this year. Who have the Texans lost? Defensive lineman Eddie Vanderdose. Again, is he a top-tier starter? Was he going to be playing a lot? No, but oh well. Still, <laughs> it is what it is. It's another one. And, the, and, and look, every defensive lineman that's playing is probably going to get some snaps because this is a high-rotation position. How are we only 15 minutes into this episode? That's ridiculous. It's going to be a short one today. Sorry about that. But, but it kind of just... You know, it brings us back to that other perspective I talked about very briefly last week, which is as much as you can potentially look at this season as a lost season, so who cares? And it seems like some teams, Patriots, are taking that approach. If you're the Packers and you're looking at this and almost nobody's opting out and you're young and you're healthy and you're motivated and you're coming off a 13 win, if if you can keep the protocols tight and if you can keep the guys in line and keep this virus out of your locker room, You've got a higher than normal probability of going really far this year. I mean, just just by itself, the Packers were a prime candidate to take a big jump. Maybe not necessarily in terms of their record, because it's hard to top 13 wins. But just in a very basic sense, when you look at the youth, when you look at brand new coaching staff and all this stuff, it's just a lot of second year stuff, even along the defense. Half the defense is going into their second year. The entire offense is going into its second year. Then you look at Matt LaFleur, as much as everybody hated the draft, Matt got exactly what he wanted. He got the running back that he needed to run his scheme. He got the tight end that he needed to be sort of that H-back kind of role, sort of the... He, he's a tight end. He's a, he's a just he's a tight end that isn't going to be out in the slot very much. He's going to be in line, and he's going to be that guy that you don't know if he's going to be blocking or if he's going to be slipping out and running a short little route. TJ Hawkinson is going to be the guy that 50% of the time is lined up in the slot running sort of deeper route type thing. DeGuara is going to be the sneaky, slippery guy. And, and both of them are going to do both, but just proportionally, that's what you're looking at. The simplest way I can think to say it is Jay Sternberger is doing what um, Jimmy Graham did, which is, again, about 50% of those snaps being lined up in the slot. And DeGuara is going to be the Mercedes Lewis. He's going to be more in line. And then H-back is really just kind of you know, if you think about a tight end in line, he's on the line and just off a little bit. An H-back is off significantly, sort of halfway between where a fullback would be, which is maybe just right to the left or right of the quarterback, and then between that and where the tight end is, you know, it's sort of like up and offset a bit. And it's just, it's a it's a position where you can lead block like a fullback. You could also go out and run routes. It's a fullback, tight end, hybrid position, but really it's it's more of a tight end. 
I don't like DeGuara being called a fullback because he's not a fullback. He's a tight end. But either way, he, he got what he needed. There are just certain pieces that he needs to be able to run what he needs to run. More so than he needed a second wide receiver that is, you know, maybe not as good as Devontae, but better than Lazard, who is a pretty solid number two as it is. Rather than honing in on that, listen, I need my H back and I need a workhorse running back. Those are higher up on his priority list. And again, and I've, I've said this a thousand times, but Packer fans need to stop begging for the Packers to go back to the Mike McCarthy offense. And that's essentially what we're doing when we said we should be stacking up wide receivers. Not that there's anything wrong with it, and the Packers are open to it, but they're not as desperate as Packer fans because Packer fans want to go back to the days when we had Jordy and, and Cobb and Devontae and, you know, or, or whatever combination of just tons and tons and tons of elite wide receivers that ran around like crazy and Rodgers just, you know, threw it all day long and they would occasionally run for two yards just to keep the defense honest, although I doubt the defense cared. And then they go back to throwing, 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 including on the one-yard line. To some degree, we need to trust this process and acknowledge that this draft was a part of that process and start getting excited about it. But but again, as I said, there is a, a some potential here. As much as it's not great that it's, as I've been calling it, the COVID Bowl, and it's going to have a giant asterisk next to it, it's still going to be a real opportunity to take this team. And I wouldn't invest too much. I wouldn't go out and try to to get a bunch of free agents and spend a bunch of money on this year because what do you do when you spend a bunch of money this year to the detriment of the future and then the season gets canceled halfway through the season or Aaron Rodgers gets COVID and then your season's done you know because he's out for about three weeks and you go 0-3 and and now you miss the playoffs or whatever. So so I wouldn't want to go above and beyond and invest but the, the fact remains with the team we have there's a lot of potential as certain teams are hamstrung by opt-outs and by covid and everything else there's a real opportunity for this very young very talented team to really just go all in all in is the wrong way to say it because i just said don't go all in it's just a matter of keep yourself safe keep yourself healthy and that already gives you an advantage and so when we look at this schedule here week one against the vikings i genuinely feel good about that i know it's at minnesota that's always really scary but this is you know the the strength of that team is hindered what do the Vikings have that we're scared of? Their corners are terrible. They have Daniil Hunter and nobody. Their elite linebacker had a freakish year for the first time ever in his career, and I don't expect him to replicate that. So I'm not overly scared of their linebackers. I'm not scared of their front. I'm not scared of their corners, and they have a couple good safeties. In year two of this offense, with extra little wrinkles and a heavy dose of run, I don't think the Vikings can handle that offensively they lost Stephon Diggs they did get a new young wide receiver but this is week one with no preseason how much is he going to be able to help out I think the Packers win that game week two against the Lions at home I think we win that game week three against the Saints I think is tough there's no two ways around it it's in New Orleans the Packers don't play well in New Orleans but whatever okay fine that's a loss week four against Atlanta is almost a guaranteed win that's at home then there's a bye week then there's Tampa Bay I've already told you I'm not scared of Tampa Bay it's in Tampa but we're coming out of a bye week Brady's already well into his decline. Gronk is coming out of retirement just to hang out with his buddy. I don't think he has that much left. Maybe he does. I don't know. They have some scary weapons, no question. I'm not scared of their defense. They don't have a running back. Not a good one. This is Tom Brady out of his element. He's out of his scheme. He doesn't have nearly as good of a defense as he had with Bill Belichick. I expect him to, to work real hard, to be real good at what he does. There's already videos of him working out with his wide receivers and everything else, obviously, because that's what he does. I feel good about that. Next week at the Texans. What do the Texans have? On defense, they have J.J. Watt, if he can even make it to Week 7. 
The offensive line, despite getting Laramie Tunsil, is still trash. I don't respect their running back as much as he had one good year. Their number one elite wide receiver is gone, even though they replaced him with three other ones, who I think will actually work out fairly well. I just don't see how we lose that game. Vikings, again, I think is a win. 49ers in San Francisco, obviously I expect that to be a loss. I hope it's not, but fine. We're talking about two losses by week nine. Week 10 against the Jaguars. The Jaguars are a joke. Week 11 at the Colts is difficult. Not declaring that a loss, but I think we need to really circle this one as a, a tough game, especially as we're starting to get into the longer part of the season. We have a really early bye, so it's kind of kind of concerning. Week 12 at Chicago. Not at all scared of Chicago. Week 13 at the Eagles, of course, is, is a big question mark. We already lost to them last year. Beatable, but we got to step up our run defense. Week 14 at Detroit, I expect to win. Week 15 at Carolina is a joke. Week 16 at Tennessee is not going to be easy, but it's it's a very beatable team. Matt LaFleur knows the Titans pretty well. Brian Tannehill being able to repeat what he did last year is fairly low probability. He was graded out as one of the best quarterbacks in all of football. They don't have that strong of a defensive line anymore, depending on what happens with their defensive tackle Simmons, who I really, really like. And then week 17 is the Bears. We're, we're looking at, I mean... Worst case is what, four-ish, maybe five losses if, if we lose every close game, in which case we're not going anywhere in the playoffs. But, I mean, realistically, the, the two games that are going to be hard to win that are kind of really, really, if you're the Saints and the 49ers, outside of that is, I mean, if you're a good team, if you're a playoff team, if you're a team that could actually have a shot at winning a Super Bowl, why are we losing more than two games? I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, football happens. Anything could happen. You could lose one of the Lions, lose one of the Vikings. You could lose any one of the, You could lose the Texans. But but if this is a team that, that gets better than last year, and by better than last year, obviously they're one of the best things about the Packers, as much as everybody wants to give them you know, a hard time because, well, they're not as good as their record. Yeah, but that still means something. When you don't play well, and when it's a close game and you seem to always come out on top, that's that's winning a big part of the battle. The next part is playing more solid football. So all these these games against terrible teams aren't so close. And so you don't get stomped out by the 49ers. And so you don't get beat by the Eagles so badly just because you can't do simple things like stopping the run. That's what the next step is. It's just a better understanding of what's being asked of you. Because, look, if you look at Zadarius Smith, he got embarrassed in some of these games. But if you look at his run defense grade over the course of the season, he was elite. He's one of the better run defense, run defending edge rushers in all of football. He played out of his mind against the run, but there were certain mental lapses in terms of what's being asked of me in certain situations against teams that are really good at running the ball. What happens if they take that next step? What happens if Zadarius and Preston and these guys get a better understanding of what Petten wants and if Rashawn Gary takes a step? We saw a lot of these guys get even better as the season went on. Kenny Clark got better as the season went on in his second year of this scheme. We got a new linebacker, but he's experienced with what Petten is asking. Probably a big part of the reason we decided to go that route, because we don't want to start over with a new linebacker that we have to teach all over again. Doesn't mean he's a very good player, but at least we don't have to have a guy that just doesn't know what he's doing out there. Just understand your assignment, and that's 90% of the battle. Extremely excited to watch Darnell Savage. Extremely excited to watch Kevin King battle for that contract as he got better as the season went on. Finally feeling like he's hitting his stride, wanting and being so close he can taste that big, giant, massive cornerback contract. Jair possibly becoming the guy that everybody expects him to be. And again, with Jair, a lot of it just comes down to not making those big mistakes. You see the, the moments of brilliance, but then it just falls apart. He'll have entire games where it's like, what are you doing? 
That's that's sort of the Packers in a nutshell. You see moments of brilliance. Aaron Rodgers, you see flashes where it's like, he hasn't changed at all. He's still the same guy he was in 2010. And then you watch entire stretches of him, and it's just like, this guy's done. He's toast. Just hang it up, dude. It only seems to be like guys like Aaron Jones that just don't know how to have bad days. Devontae doesn't know how to have a bad day. But again, it's not a matter of talent for the Green Bay Packers. It's a matter of just tighten up, man. Not not like the Titans thing, but Titan, T-I-G-H-T-E-N. Not T-I-T-A-N. You, you understand the thing. I don't know. All, all I know is I cannot wait for football. It, 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 it's almost, it's very similar to like when, when you're having a kid and at first it's just kind of like it, it doesn't really sink in that it's real. Like you know it's a thing. And it's like, okay, yeah, my wife's pregnant and da 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 But then there's like a moment. Usually it's like an ultrasound or something where it's just, sub- it clicks like, dude, like a, like a real kid. Like in this house, is going to be here, like crying and stuff. Holy cow, I didn't know that. That's kind of where I'm at with the football season. Because with all this COVID stuff, it just kind of seems like, oh, there's going to be like a thing that happens. It's going to be kind of like the XFL. It's not real football. It's just kind of this dumb thing. And then it just clicked. No, 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 no. In not a very long time. Oh, I'm, I'm literally, I'm getting chills to the point where my eyes are watering. Oh, this is intense. I'll tell you what, if if the Badger band is not practicing in a couple months, I'm going to be livid. That is my favorite part of the year. I'm not even kidding you. That has become a tradition for me because I go on walks at my lunchtime and I walk right past where the Badger band practices. And so I get to hear them and you can hear them for like miles, like off in the distance. There's going to be a time very soon where the leaves start changing depending on where you live, but just just let me go on my, my journey here. The leaves are going to start changing. They're going to start falling. You're going to smell that fall air, the dying leaves, the slight chill in the air, right? That one day where you got to like throw on the little, maybe, maybe throw on like a hoodie. It's a little bit chilly, you know? There's a dew on the grass, and then we're going to sit down, and football is going to be on the television. Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing football. Not, not like a fake thing. Not like people playing Madden. There might not be people in the stands. I don't care. Real, actual football with announcers and football players and helmets and pads. And I'm sure the the lead-up is going to be obnoxious and everything about it is going to be obnoxious and there's going to be all kinds of distractions and things being put into football. There's going to be all kinds of stuff about COVID and about politics and everything else is going to be happening. But you know what? At the end of all that stuff, after all, after all, at the end of all the nonsense that nobody cares about, there's just going to be football. Just like when you were a kid and it's this magical experience where the world just melts away and football is there to be enjoyed. That's going to happen. It's getting close. It's starting to feel real. It sucks that we don't have training camp. It sucks that we're not going to be getting live updates of what's going on. Maybe the media is going to be helping us with that. But you know what? It's August 3rd. In like five weeks, the Green Bay Packers are going to Minnesota to play the Vikings. I got to go. But it's time to start getting excited because five weeks is not a long time. Anyways, now that I'm all jacked up, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.